Welcome to the Truthiverse. My name is Brendan D. Murphy. This is where we unleash truth and freedom with no holds barred, no fear, and no limits. Come and evolve beyond the matrix with me and thrive, not just survive. This is a realm of empowering, uncommon awareness. This is my Truthiverse. Hey, welcome to Truthiverse. I'm Brendan, and this is where we unleash truth and freedom with no holds barred, no fear, and no limits. Welcome to episode three. This week, I'm officially stoked to have ex-CIA agent Robert David Steele, who also happens to be the foremost open source intelligence analyst on the planet. Now, his vision is that we can achieve a prosperous world at peace at just 10 to 20% of the cost of the failed Western economic model burdened by our banks and lawyers. With Robert, we got into the big picture side of the COVID-19 situation and his assessment of the state of play in geopolitics and the global economy, his solutions and ideas for a planet in turmoil, and his view on the Trump administration and the political maneuvering going on. Robert's knowledge on the subjects close to his heart is truly vast as you're about to see. So for his full bio, uh, just please check out the show notes because I want to dive right into this with you and let you hear from the man himself. And if you want to hear me get deeper into the medical and scientific aspects of the so-called COVID-19 virus, you'll want to check out episode one with David Crow, and also keep an eye out for coming episodes as well. Just a heads up there. All right, that's enough from me for now. Enjoy episode three of Truthverse with Robert David Steele. And please do remember to subscribe, drop a review for me, drop a like, and I'll see you on the flip side. Stay awesome. How are you, firstly? Still unemployed. Uh, <laughs> still working hard. Uh, still hopeful. I was very disappointed that President Trump did not open the country for Easter Sunday. I think he missed a very important deadline. However, Martin Armstrong now has come out with a letter that says that if he doesn't open the country by 1 May, we will never recover. It'll be 13 years before we get the economy back. And Martin Armstrong has the best economic models on the planet. Now, what Armstrong might not be calculating is that Trump has, I believe, taken 15 to 20 trillion dollars back from the banks. And we're actually going to do Nassara, Gassara and completely reinvent the world economy, starting with the U.S. economy. So on balance, I continue to have faith in President Trump. I continue to believe that America is going to resurrect and that we will reopen the country within the next week to two weeks at the latest. And by the way, let me emphasize, I was the first to say that this was a fake pandemic, that 5G lowers your immunity, that everybody was lying to the president. I have been proven right on every aspect of this. Yeah, yeah. I think you had a lot of good company there as well. At the time when this kicked off, were you getting a lot of different intel from your your sources in regards to the no, pandemic? Look, it's not about intel from sources. Nothing I do has anything to do with the CIA in my past. <laughs> I'm the top open source intelligence guy on the planet. Uh, I'm the top nonfiction reviewer with over 2,000 reviews across 98 categories. I know people. I know how to reach people. I also know how to read and think. And it was very clear to me, and I wrote the first article on how this was an act of war with a bioengineered virus, but it was not the virus that was killing the economy. In my first article, I said very clearly it was the media that was killing the economy, the Mm. lies from the media, the fear mongering. And I recently did a seating with the International Tribunal of Natural Justice, where I'm the chief counsel for the commission. And I pointed out that This was an insider trading scam, and the media was orchestrated. This is a repeat of the Great Depression, which was organized by the banks in order to crush the middle class, 
buy up America at depression era prices and gain greater control. I mean, if I were president, Bill Gates and Fauci would be in handcuffs on the White House lawn right before I put a bullet through their heads. Okay, speaking metaphorically. So I believe the president is about to take Bill Gates and Blix and all these other big pharma representatives down. They are all traitors. They lied to the president. They destroyed the American economy. However, the president was able to use that. He's done some things he would never have been able to do to include exercising war powers. And I think that when all is said and done, what we're going to find is that the president was able to use this to literally restore the republic. So, you, I mean, your prognosis in the end is, is actually quite positive. Then you think this can be an amazing opportunity at the same time? Absolutely. I'm very, very positive. I, I don't think... Let me put it this way. If Fauci were to survive in the May, I would be very, very surprised. And I certainly don't advocate violence, but I don't think there's a Secret Service team that can protect this guy uh, once this goes past a certain point. Wow. Okay. So, I mean, this guy, I mean, we, we know he's lying, right? So imagine this from a public, the public perspective, like we're watching this, this spectacle, this circus unfold. And there's this Fauci guy who, for those of us with brains in our heads, we can see he's lying. We can see this whole thing's a sham. Um, but what is it about him that is, makes him such a target? Why do you think he's so aggressively despised? Let me go back to a video clip of Fauci when we had the HN1 or whatever, saying people just need to go about their business. And let me point out that the World Health Organization refused to declare a pandemic. The difference is Bill Gates and his money and the briefing that Bill Gates gave to the Gnomes of Zurich in January, in which he said, we're going to take down the world economy, place your bets accordingly. Okay? Now, I advocated in my seating today with the International Tribunal of Natural Justice, I said, we need three counterintelligence studies. And the National Security Agency has all emails, all telephone calls, all Instagrams, all Tinders, for crying out loud. But it doesn't process 99% of them. We need to go in and we need to process every email and cell call and text that Bill Gates and Fauci have had in the last year and all of the people associated with them. That's counterintelligence survey number one. Counterintelligence survey number two is all of the insider trading that was done against the public interest with advanced knowledge based on this fake pandemic. Counterintelligence survey number three is all of the media assets that have knowingly told lies orchestrated by MI6, the CIA, perhaps rogue elements of the CIA, the City of London, Wall Street, the Vatican, whatever. What surprises me, and this is why I think President Trump is using this, had I been president, I would have put an army ranger company with fixed bayonets in every media office in the United States of America, starting with Fox News, which has been relatively worthless compared to CNN. And I would have said to all these media mandarins, very straightforward, you tell a lie, I will kill you. Any questions? Now, that didn't happen. And of course, I'm speaking metaphorically. But the reality is, I think the president has allowed all of this to play out so that the public can see the future if they allow it to continue. Okay. So, yeah, giving us a chance to actually start realizing the level of 
mendacity going on and the the structured deliberate nature of what this this sort of psyop this whole psyop playing out because it's quite obvious i mean if people are given enough time to actually stop and think it becomes pretty pretty obvious pretty quickly doesn't it it does and and i like the the way you're thinking there because one of the things that that i've looked at i mean for example we're moving toward 40 million people unemployed with lost jobs perhaps half of which will never come back okay Three out of five people have no unemployment compensation. Um, One third of all rents were not paid in April. And it's going to get worse. Wow. Suicides now outnumber alleged deaths from the coronavirus. Yeah. It's now been exposed, as I have said for so long, that this is just another virus. And I think the president and Jared Kushner knew it was just another virus in the beginning, but they were blackmailed. They were politically blackmailed into having to go through the motions because otherwise the president would have come across as uncaring. And I don't know where the line was crossed, but these people may have had a real pandemic planned for August, which would have been an absolute nightmare because the government would have been out of Washington. It it would have spread like wildfire. It's possible this was preempted. It's possible this was neutralized. But as I said in my first article, the virus is not killing any economy. It's the media lies that are killing the economy. And in fact, the Australian government approached the ITNJ through Sir John uh, Walsh and asked him for help. And he asked me and I did a meet. I did a, a video which really pissed off the prime minister of Australia. Because I basically said in that video, without naming the country at the time, I said, look, you need to let this play out as a normal disease. Anything the government does is going to make it worse. Fast forward to today. Australia has destroyed itself because of either stupid or corrupt politicians. Take your pick. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. As, so as obviously you're pretty, I can see you're pretty fired up about it. I mean, you don't live no, here. No, this but you, is me being calm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think this, this is, is my the happy situation. face. <laughs> yeah. I did see that, um, that meeting with, with Sasha and the rest of the, the team there. That was, that was quite interesting. So do you know, as, as far as your message, if you like your message to the Australian prime minister is concerned, do, do you think that there was much heed Given? Now, look, the short answer is no. And, and one of the problems, and Sir John and I have talked about this, I deeply admire Sir John. He's a very ethical individual who, who has a deep understanding of both natural law and, and, and other forms of man-made law. I like Australians. They're supposed to be independent, which is what you get when you crossbreed convicts and rabbits. Okay. <laughs> I mean, Australia is a country built on wild-ass real men and women. And so is the United States of America. Once you get past the genocide of the Indians and the importation of black slaves, we're supposed to be Australia and the United States are very much sister countries in a cultural, spiritual sort of way. We're supposed to be free thinkers, independents and, 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 and so forth. Part of the problem is that virtually every politician and every judge in Australia is corrupt in one way or another. Mm. They're being bribed or they're being blackmailed. And I'm particularly concerned among the judges, the number of judges in New South Wales and elsewhere who are being basically bribed and blackmailed with pedophilia. Mm -hmm. Australia has a huge pedophilia problem at the upper levels of government, as bad as England. 
So from where I sit, and I love in the seating today, there was this young black woman who was talking about when the government exceeds its legal mandate, the people can then reclaim the power. That was utterly brilliant. I was very impressed by her. It's possible that we're now reaching a point where people will be re-engaged. In fact, I just got off talking to Cynthia McKinney, and we're talking about how all of the Bernie Sanders people are looking around trying to find a place to go. And Donald Trump is not offering them a place to go. None of them are going to Joe Biden. The Green Party and Libertarian Party are absolutely worthless. So the question is, when you're a free-thinking citizen and you have a two-party tyranny, which is what you have in Australia as well as the United States and England and elsewhere, what do you do? Where do you go? It's possible that Q, QAnon, is correct. And we're on the verge of a great awakening in which we take to the streets in a nonviolent fashion and basically say to these politicians, there's no place for you to hide. You're fired. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I get that sense, too. Like there's never been I've never seen a point in time where we've had that kind of opportunity that we have now, which is a strange thing to say, because, you know, we're watching the global economy burn. You know, I'm in Australia everybody's lost their jobs, everybody's on government welfare now. But I think it's like the reset or the the disruption that I guess we had to have to get people or some people, most people to start actually asking a few questions and, and looking outside their normal channels of who, who do I go to for information? Who do I go to for reassurance? What's the next step? Well, you know, it's funny because I'm, I'm, I'm reading this excellent book, Rebuilding the Food Shed. And I previously read a book by uh, Nassim Nicholas Taleb on uh, anti-fragile, which kind of complemented Eleanor Ostrom's book on governing the commons, which Eleanor Ostrom came to two conclusions. One, that the only people smart enough to regulate anything are the local people, because they actually know the situation. And the only two people who are present in sufficient quality and quantity over time are the local people. Okay, The whole federalization experiment has failed. We need to get back to localized self-sufficiency. And I will say something that many people will consider very radical. I think all absentee landlords should be either bought out or disowned. The public needs to take control of its local lands and start rebuilding self-sustainability in energy, water, food, and, uh, and health, as well as education. All of these core curriculums, all of this crap that's being pushed down from the top, tell them to stuff it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's where it starts, doesn't it? It's obviously, we need to be able to feed ourselves. We need to be able to reconnect with the land and be independent in that sense. You know, one of the things about this book that really jumped out at me is I originally, when I started reading this book, thought it was about basically connecting people to food. It turns out it's about connecting people to people. Once you start recreating your local community where you have a small town butcher, and you have a small town baker, and you have farmers that collaborate, and you know you have chickens and pigs and donkeys and whatever, what you end up having is a social ecology that is connected to the earth, connected to the community, and ideally connected to God. So what I think is happening now is this whole fake pandemic has destroyed the myth of globalization. Everybody now gets that you can't afford to rely on China for masks and electrical conduction parts and all this other stuff. You have to be self-sufficient. But the other thing that I think is going to happen here is we're going to be pushed back to state and provincial sovereignty 
And in the ideal, what comes below a state or a province in Australia? District? Yeah. Council. Okay. Yep. We, we, we need to go back to where districts run themselves. In the United States, a sheriff can tell the federal marshal to piss off. Okay. In our country, the sheriff is elected and is the highest law enforcement authority in the local land. And the locals can tell the federals to piss off. Mm. And I think that's where we're going next. Yeah, and we've been needing that for so long. As you say, the whole federalization thing doesn't work. We've just ended up with a globalized tyranny without bars, prison without bars. So I really like your thinking there. Obviously, you're, you're a voracious reader. I mean, you, you don't stop, do you? Well, it, it happened by accident. When Amazon first came out with reviews, I had just published two books for which I had 150 annotated bibliographic entries for each. So that's 300 one-paragraph reviews. And so I published all of those on the 4th of April, 2000, I think it was. And I was immediately Amazon reviewer 1,500. And then I just started getting in the habit. At one point, I was spending $5,000 on, on books a year and reading about two books, reviewing two books uh, a week. Ultimately, I got to, and it's all free online. People can go to phibetaiota.net and click on the reviews page, and then you can see all of my reviews sorted by category, uh, 97 nonfiction categories, and then fiction, which I really read because there are books like Broken, for example, which tells the truth about torture, but in a fictional sort of way to mm-hmm. avoid lawsuits. I've slowed down some now. But I believe that you cannot be educated if you don't continue to read. I also believe that people are coming out of college today very stupid. The, the colleges today are not producing anyone who can think. They're not producing people who understand the various disciplines. They're, they're really producing people who are no better than a high school graduate in the 1950s. And the universities have been completely corrupted by, by a mixture of politics and commerce. So you have all these virtue signaling pimps are piss ants, and then you have all these commercialized programs where you you produce the answer that the the person is paying for you to produce, not the truth. My motto is the truth at any cost lowers all other costs. So I think I think we're we're possibly on the verge of a, of the second American Revolution. And I mean, I love Australia. I, I've been. I, in fact, I was in Australia for a national meeting that was built around me in 1998 on open source intelligence. Um, And unfortunately, the CIA had just bribed the Australian intelligence community to ignore me and to invest in uh, secret sources and methods. So, you know, it breaks my heart that I knew the answers for all of this stuff. I mean, I, I just published a little thing saying, I told you so. In 1989, I ghost wrote for General Alfred Gray something that said that you absolutely had to invest in open sources and you had to do intelligence, which is decision support, in order to justify the funding of peaceful preventive measures. And my second book was about how disease was going to wreck the world, okay, as well as terrorism and corruption. We've done nothing against disease and terrorism and corruption. All we've done is basically spend the people's money to enrich the banks and enrich the politicians. Uh, We have been betrayed in every possible sense of the word. And while I don't condone violence, I will note that the Australians should pay careful attention to the fact that in one particular Ecuadorian village, the mayor was dragged in chains behind a truck after he failed to keep his promises to the people. That's where we're headed. 
Yeah, I mean, imagine imagine the effect that could have on, you know, the ethical conduct of our politicians if they knew that we were serious about enforcing their morality. That's an interesting concept. And, and I think the, the ITNJ has an opportunity to contribute in that way. I was very pleased that the Australian government had the good sense to ask Sir John for advice and disappointed that they didn't listen. Had they listened, Australia would now be where Sweden and Austria are. Robust economy with no wreckage. Yeah, yeah. Instead, we're uh, we're a nation of paupers at this point. Well, you're not a nation of paupers, and I really want to stress this. There is no taking the land away from the people if the people don't want it taken away. What has happened here is that the public has allowed itself to be persuaded that land can be owned by someone who pretends they have money. Most of the money being used by land is fictional. It's being invented by the banks, which are owned by people who the SWIFT system, one of the problems with the SWIFT system is that if bank A sends a billion dollars to bank B, bank B doesn't say, show me the money. They just carry the account. All right. And so these people like the Rothschilds have been inventing money as well as, of course, taking their profits. The Koch brothers are earning $3 million a minute on investments in banks. Okay, this is just it's it's all crazy. The good news for me is I think there is a great awakening going on. And I believe that that we're going to see we're going to see some kind of renaissance in America. And I certainly hope that it it is shared by Australia. And let me also say, I think the Commonwealth is going to break up in the next five to 10 years. Um, I think Scotland and Ireland and Canada will all become independent. I certainly hope Australia and New Zealand do as well. Yeah, God willing. I would love to see the Australian people actually take an interest in that and really start thinking about it. For the most part, we we just have that, yeah, she'll be right, mate, kind of attitude. And it hasn't gone very well for us collectively. I would like to talk about, I've got a list of a few points and you gave me a couple of talking points. So let's, let's touch on some of these. Um, you made an interesting comment when I was listening to you speaking with the ITNJ uh, group. You said something about Michael, General Michael Flynn was about to audit the intel communities and then he was taken down. Do you want to touch on that at all? Well, I only know that indirectly. That has been said by by Sidney Powell, who's the author of the brilliant book, License to Lie. I can't say enough good things about Sidney Powell. I would be very pleased if she were the replacement for Justice Ruth Ginsburg on the American Supreme Court. Sidney Powell is, is, is in her 60s, I think, so she would maybe have 10 more years to serve, which would give a future administration a chance to appoint her replacement. But she is unique among all people in the legal profession in the United States for having directly confronted the corruption of the U.S. Department of Justice and the U.S. Federal Bureau of Investigation. We need a Supreme Court justice with that kind of character and that kind of perspective. But Flynn Flynn was basically set up, and I admire him very much. I believe he will be exonerated. I introduced Bill Binney from NSA to his defense team. And because of who Bill Binney knows, people like Dennis Montgomery, Flynn's defense team now has all of the documents that the Department of Justice refused to release in the first place that exonerate General Flynn. So at the appropriate time, he doesn't need a pardon. At the appropriate time, I think uh, Sidney Powell will give the Department of Justice a porcupine enema, unless, of course, William Barr does the right thing and closes this case, apologizes to General Flynn, 
And in the ideal, the federal government should reimburse General Flynn or pay General Flynn's lawyers because this has been a massive miscarriage of justice. Okay, awesome. Thank you for that. Yep. I mean, that's that's something that is a situation most Australians, for example, would not be familiar with at all. Um, and we don't get, obviously, any real reporting through the mainstream media. So I thought it's well, interesting. Then, then let me give you the other half of it, which is perhaps what you were interested in, the whole idea of auditing the U.S. intelligence community. For sure. I'm the person who originally said that most U.S. military bases around the world are being used as lily pads for smuggling small children, gold, guns, drugs, and cash. We need to close all our U.S. bases. But the U.S. intelligence community is a massive cesspool of corruption. And Bill Binney and I have agreed that up to 70% of the secret intelligence community should basically be shut down and the savings made available to the president for something else. The pieces that survive from all of the different agencies should be consolidated around a new CIA, which has already lost 70%. For example, the CIA should lose drone assassination. It should lose torture and rendition. It should lose covert action and regime change. It should be focused on clandestine human intelligence collection and all source analysis. And Bill and I and General Flynn also agree that we need an open source agency, which has not only been twice approved by the Office of Management and Budget, it actually was a recommendation by the Aspen Brown Commission and by the 9-11 Commission. It appears on pages 23 and 423. CIA has fought me on this for for 30 years. President Trump, I think, is at a point now where he understands that the intelligence community has failed him completely because they don't do intelligence about everything. And the cabinet has also failed him because they don't understand the process of intelligence, which is requirements definition, what you need to know, collection management, who knows this, processing, and then analysis, and then finally presenting it in a form that a decision maker can use, which is very often one word, yes or no, or a note card, okay? That's not what the intelligence community does. So President Trump may be on the verge of understanding or approving an open source agency. And if he does, I pray to God that I and Bill Binney and General Flynn have a chance to help him with that, because that would change everything. An open source intelligence agency with two parts, an information bureau and an engineering bureau, would on the one hand give the president and the cabinet and military commanders and governors or province managers, whatever you guys call them, it would give them decision support to eradicate all 10 high-level threats to humanity, to harmonize with true-cost economics all policy areas from agriculture through water, and this is the engineering part of the agency, to replace the existing failed Western economic model that is 50% waste and 90% profit for the banks with open source everything engineering, which, for example, I can give you a tractor at 10 to 20% of the cost of a John Deere tractor, and it has no secret software, and it can be repaired in the field by the farmer. What this means is not only in Australia, and particularly among impoverished farmers who cannot afford a John Deere tractor, But in Africa and Latin America and Central Asia, people who are relying on oxen or their hands can now afford a tractor which will boost their productivity because it's an open source tractor. Okay, I wrote the Open Source Everything Manifesto. I was recommended for the Nobel Peace Prize in 2017. I don't deserve it, but it was a nice idea. (laughs) Uh, 
for combining holistic analytics, true cost economics, and open source everything engineer. That is how we remake the world and lift the five billion poor. And the whole point of my second book was you have to make everybody else prosperous so they'll stay home and not become illegal aliens. Sure, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. I really like that model. That model is exactly where we need to be going, in in my opinion. Obviously, I think Trump would be ab- an absolute fool to not involve you in that kind of project should it start to take off. Well, no, I mean, you know, the, the, I love the president. I was the first one, I think, to say that he could win with an article in Counterpunch in 2015. And I went on to do the Trump Revolution series, which is now up to 51 items. But I have also spoken harsh truths, and I've been very critical of Jared Kushner and unwanted Ivanka and and some of the Goldman Sachs morons that he's got around him and Fauci and so forth. But I think in fairness to the president, A, he's much smarter than I am. He's much richer than I am. He's vastly more handsome than I am. He's president. And I think for the first four years, he was fighting for his life. I think if my time is to come, it's to be in the second administration when he's literally rebuilding the world in partnership with Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin. And I believe both of those gentlemen know who I am. Yeah. Okay. So, and that's the point I was going to raise with you is you you feel like these three powers are now operating in concert. They're on the same page. I think they're on speed dial. Yeah, Ryan. I think these three guys are talking to each other, and I don't think anybody, including the Secretary of State, who I consider a blustering fool in the United States, Mike Pompeo, a Christian Zionist who is an agent of a foreign power, I don't think any of Trump's cabinet people have any clue that he and Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin, and maybe with a secret sidebar with the supreme leader of Iran and perhaps other leaders. I think Trump's in charge of the world, and he is literally... In, in our Latino culture, we call it, he's flipping the tortilla. He's literally turning everything upside down or right side out. Yeah, because it's been upside down for long enough, right? It has. And, and we're at the end of the British East India Company. We're at the end of the Rothschilds. We're at the end of the city of London. We're at the end of the Jesuits and the Vatican. We are at the beginning of returning to Unfencing the Commons, a lovely book out of England called Stop Thief, another book out of England, Lionel Tiger, Manufacturing Evil. We are at the beginning of reconnecting people to one another, to the earth, and to God. Yeah, beautiful. So succinct. And and that's exactly what's been missing. Like we've been atomized, we've been disconnected from each other. Our communities have been destroyed with the extermination of the indigenous peoples. You know, we lost how to live tribally. We lost how to live community. And now we get a chance to rebuild that, right? I I think the indigenous peoples are, are so vital. And one of the things that people don't understand is that the indigenous peoples have knowledge about energy and water and health and community and, and, and structures of organization that are sustainable. I, I think the United Nations needs to go away. We need to throw the United Nations out of New York. We need to re- withdraw U.S. funding from all U.N. specialized agencies, starting with the World Health Organization, which is now run by a guy who is an alleged war criminal with no medical degree. He's simply a, a, a Pratt boy. I had to look it up, by the way. You know what a Pratt boy is? What's that? It's a guy that wipes the king's ass. Okay, (laughs) that's the official definition of Pratt Boy. So this guy running who is a Pratt Boy for Bill Gates and Fauci is a Pratt Boy for Bill Gates. They're both wiping Bill Gates's ass with leftover dollar bills from the billions that Gates has moved in their direction. So I would love to see the president do a counterintelligence study 
that essentially exposes all of these people and then brings them to justice. And I would be very, very pleased to see Bill Gates go to Guantanamo. Do you think, I mean, yeah, speaking of Bill Gates, I mean, this guy's out of control, right? We, we know that this guy is like one of the darkest, most evil sons of bitches on the face of the earth. What is, what is it that you particularly, I mean, what's your sort of dossier look like on him, if you like, so to speak? Well, Bill Gates was very lucky. He was IBM's second choice. IBM was looking to buy an operating system for a PC, and the first guy they went to refused to sign their non-disclosure agreement. So they went down the street to Bill Gates. I cannot overstate that enough. Bill Gates was the second choice, but he had the brains to sign the non-disclosure agreement. And as a result, IBM was giving him pennies for his operating system for every PC sold. That turned him into a billionaire overnight. And then he leveraged that with really shit software, the blue screen of death. And, <laughs> and I, I've told people, Microsoft has held our productivity back by 80%. Um, a member of the Hackers uh, Conference in Silicon Valley, Larry Page is also a member. I know him personally. Great engineer, lousy ethics. And we were sitting in a meeting with John McCarthy, and the question on the, on the birds of a feather session was what to do about Microsoft. Microsoft has been migrating and mutating application program interfaces in order to screw third-party developers and force them to pay Microsoft for toll-gate access. As a result, Microsoft has failed to achieve the productivity gains in human sense-making that would have been possible if they had allowed persistent, stable application program interfaces. Web 3.0 is being built right now, and I hope it buries Amazon, Google, and Microsoft. Yeah, yeah. I remember the apparent in inventor of the internet, and I forget his name now. Do you, do you know the guy I'm talking about? Surf, uh, Vince Cerf is often considered the father of the internet, but he, he is a wonderful human being. I know him personally. Yeah, sure. um, and, and he and Dixon, whatever, the guy that invented HTML, you know, there are a number of people. The, the internet was originally developed as a defense big pipe communications thing. Dick Cheney is on record as saying that the worst mistake he ever made was letting the people have the internet, because the original concept was that it would be an exclusive province of defense, the military industrial complex. Now, the internet got a really good start, but Micah Sifri has, has written an excellent book called The Big Disconnect, Why the Internet Hasn't Fixed Everything Yet. The reason it hasn't fixed everything yet is because the U.S. government, is all governments, are letting the internet service providers get away with murder with digital assassination, with censorship, with uh, corrupted search. You, the search results you get are what someone has paid for you to see. 99% um, of the information on the planet is neither digital nor searchable. It's not indexed. So we have some major issues as we move forward. But what I think is happening right now, someone else smarter than me said this the other day, creative destruction. We are literally burning down the termite-infested barn so we can start over. Mm -hmm. Web 3.0, you're saying. Who's, who's responsible for this? No one. One of the things that I think is going to happen, and, and we need to eliminate 5G. We need to eliminate the electromagnetic pollution. We need to actually have not a space force, but a space vacuum cleaner for cleaning up all the garbage that's in space. No one has ever been held accountable for electromagnetic uh, pollution that causes disease. Mm -hmm. And there's a wonderful book that I recommend. I've, I've published a 17-page summary at Phi Beta Iota that was written by someone else called The Invisible Rainbow. 
the Spanish flu was actually radio uh, pollution. And then later you had uh, radar pollution in the Second World War. And so you've had a whole series of electromagnetic pollution zones around the world that have led to these so-called influenza. Uh, People don't understand that radiation sickness presents precisely as the flu. And we've had entire airliners in the last two years quarantined on landing because they thought the people had some kind of contagious flu. What was in fact happening, and this happened on the cruise ships during this recent crisis, what was in fact happening was that the satellite uh, providers, the internet service providers on the ships or the airplanes were all out of control and they were allowing people to basically be radiated far beyond the established parameters uh, of good, good, healthy operations. So we're at the very beginning of having to completely reevaluate how we do communications. Now, the good news, and I'm not very smart in this area, but others are telling me, the good news is that there are ways in which you can communicate without electromagnetic radiation that are completely safe. And I'm anticipating that at some point in the near future, we are going to bury electromagnetic communications and move toward, I don't want to say telepathy, but move toward something that literally jumps time and space. And the Russians are way ahead of us. The Russians are huge on energetics and gravitational biology and scalar time energy warfare. We've allowed for the Western economy to build up on industries that have not been held accountable for true costs, for killing communities, for killing health, for killing national security. And it is my hope that an open source agency will allow President Trump to say, not only are we going to lift everybody up, but we're going to do it in a very healthy, cost-effective manner. Yeah, beautiful. And I like that you mentioned actually something that I've mentioned, but you know, it's not it's not in the popular consciousness right now, which is the idea that we can actually move beyond electromagnetic communication. We actually have technology that bypasses, if you like, bypasses space and time or transcends the limits of space and time. And so we have this capacity someone and I'm sure people are doing it I, I read something years ago there was a Dr. Muller in Germany I think it was who had managed to send you know make a phone call without an electromagnetic signal so in essentially non-local communication outside of space and time so I, I like that we get to plant that seed here as well because we we so people don't see a, a solution or an endpoint to the the EMF pollution right but there is and we it is actually leaving electromagnetism behind as a as a form of communication. Yeah, and you know, one of the books I like is David Wilcock, his book, Ascension. He's written a couple of good books. And one of the things he talks about is Tibetan monks that literally fly through space. And and remote viewing appears to be very real. Telepathy appears to be very real. It really does appear as if humanity over the last uh, 10,000 years has been dumbed down and drugged up. And this has been by design. I mean, one of the books that I recommend is Daniel Estelin's uh, Tavistock Institute, which is an absolutely brutal book on how the UK and the US are doing some very, very terrible things to their own populations as a matter of official policy. Yeah, yeah. Estelle has done some amazing research and work there. We've covered some of your core points that you wanted to talk about. Do you, do you feel like it's worth circling back at all? To, is there anything you feel like you want to insert around the discussion on the so-called pandemic playing out? Like, What's happening geopolitically is that we've maybe not touched on. Trump's u- utilizing this or seeing it as a huge opportunity. Obviously, it's multi-layered. Well, let, me, let me put it this way. If we took the 1% and chopped off their heads tomorrow and started over, it would be a good start. 
<laughs> and I think they know that. I believe that President Trump has clawed back most of the $43 trillion stolen from the American public and the American Treasury. I believe that Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin and Trump are all talking the same gold or asset-based currency. I think we are putting the private banks out of business. I believe that, in fact, it's known now that 70% of the wealth of the 1% has no paper documentation. 70% of it. Has, cannot You cannot prove how they got that wealth, which means it was made up, okay? Yeah. Or it was based on compound interest in a rigged system. I mean, when Donald Trump said it's a rigged system, I immediately created hashtag on rig, which mm. I may be about to turn over to Cynthia McKinney uh, because I want to focus on the open source agency. McKinney's a natural political leader. She has a doctorate in, in leadership, and I think she would be an enormous national asset as a leader of hashtag on rig. Yeah. Um, so for me, I'm a professional intelligence and counterintelligence officer. I would like to help our president kill a few people and make the rest healthy. <laughs> Metaphorically, of course. <laughs> I, I, remember, I was yeah, just trying I to mean, remember where my bayonet is. <laughs> <laughs> Next interview, we'll be sit, watching you sitting there sharpening it. And I'll be <laughs> no, you know, I really, it, it, there are too many ways to kill people without leaving a trace. And, and I'm <laughs> yeah. sure that the president has people that know how to do this. Yeah, remind me not to piss you off, all right? <laughs> no, 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 no. I listen, I, I'm just a fat old guy in his basement trying to do good. It's a it's a nice looking basement. I've got to give you that much. <laughs> yeah, this is actually a tiny fraction of what I once had. I used to have an entire townhouse as my as my office. And the yeah. entire first floor, you can still see a picture of my library before I donated it to George Mason University. I'm oh, obscenely wow. proud of the fact that it took three specialist librarians to evaluate my library for a donation. And I did that because I was joining, God help me, the United Nations. I worked for a time as a contract employee for a uh, commission on corruption in Guatemala. And I learned enough about the United Nations to know that a third of the people there are very good people, but one third are, are nepotistic relatives and one third are spies. And the United Nations has nothing of redeeming value to offer to the United States of America. We're done with them. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, we know we know what the the whole point of the UN is for, don't we? I mean, um, stalking horse for world government was one description. Yeah, well, uh, I, I think it's also been used to basically subvert government policies. President Trump was very wise to cancel the Trans Pacific Arrangement because what's happening is that through the UN, corporations are being given uh, precedence over governments, and so negotiations are taking place. The other thing that's happening is that, again, no one is holding corporations accountable for safe manufacturing. I mean, my cell phone has three dead Chinese in it because China is the only place where it's legal to have people dip their hands in a class A carcinogenic while they're putting together a smartphone, which means that every smartphone has a legacy of Chinese who have died of leukemia and are buried out behind the factory. Okay, that's a true cost. A lot of what's being manufactured, not only in China, but elsewhere, is child labor at 50 cents a day. Uh, a lot of what's being manufactured is using up thousands and thousands and thousands of gallons because people are too lazy to actually think about a, a, an alternative manufacturing process. So I'm all about holistic analytics, true cost economics, and open source everything engineering. And I pray to God that I have another quarter century to, to help the world uh, move in that direction. I'm sure we can get get another 25 years out of you, at least. No, I need some of that anti-aging 
uh, technology that's classified right now. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. You said in your in your chat with the ITNJ uh, panel that you you're not a kumbaya kind of guy, but but you feel like there is something very special or even spiritual happening right now. I agree with that. Thank you for bringing it up. I've published a, a book on ascension. Actually, it's a booklet on ascension Christianity, written by someone who prefers to remain anonymous. But it's a very compelling work. And I've also published a book review of David Griffin's uh, new book on a gospel for America. And the key point in, in uh, Griffin's book is that salvation is about being the best you can be here and now. But he makes the further point that you cannot be saved if you allow your government to be a piece of shit that does bad things. If you are to be a good Christian and a good citizen, you must demand that your government abide by Christian principles and not have endless wars and torture and rendition and drone assassination and pedophilia entrapment and all the other bad things that the CIA, the FBI, and the Department of Homeland Security, for example, are doing. We just found out the Department of Homeland Security has people who are picking up kids at the border pretending to arrest them and then driving them to sell them to pedophiles. So children being trafficked right now is the new sideline for selected people in the Department of Homeland Security. Wow. And just just when we started to think that uh, we were getting on top of that whole thing. You know, it's a tough thing, and I think we are getting on top of it, but it's not going to be resolved until, A, we process 100% of what we have in the NSA databases. And that's what Bill Binney can do for President Trump. It's not going to be resolved until we start debriefing everybody who's ever been bribed and blackmailed. We give them a presidential pardon, but they give up the blackmailers. I want to hang the blackmailers. Yeah, yeah. And by hang, I mean, so far we've been metaphorical, but do you want to see capital punishment for those people? This is very, very metaphorical. I, I, I picture turning them over to Saudi Arabia and, and having their heads cut off in the desert. Okay, beautiful. All right, well, then we don't have to do it. <laughs> exactly. We outsource it. <laughs> Outsourced beheading. I like that. Um, okay, so, so as far as your... Speaking. Sorry, say again. Metaphorically speaking. Metaphorically, of course. Yes, this is our constant... By the way, that was metaphorical. So what, what's your, your personal sort of situation, you know, when you're not doing an interview or when you're not sort of dealing with the world of intelligence and you're in your own space and in recentering yourself? I mean, what is, what's the internal, if you like, spiritscape of Robert Steele at this point in time as you, in relation to the world and where you're, what, what you're feeling and seeing right now? I mean, we don't hear much of your thoughts around your more introspective thoughts. You feel like there's something very important happening in the world, something spiritual, this sort of ascension process. Let me give you the third part of the spiritual thing, which I forgot is um, I just, I just reviewed a book. Uh, It's buried back there someplace. Uh, I just reviewed a book on Mary Magdalene and there are two Marys in Jesus's life. Mary of Nazareth was his mother and Mary Magdalene was his companion. And the Catholic Church decided at the meeting of Nicaea to turn all women into whores and to push all women out of the church. And part of that was for financial reasons. They didn't want to deal with with wives and orphans for priests. 
But the bottom line is that the Gospel of Mary and the Gospel of St. Thomas were both pushed out of the Catholic liturgy. And this really destroyed the Catholic Church in many, many ways. Mother Earth and matriarchy go back. And one of my major papers in in my first graduate degree was on on, uh, how people organize. And it used to be that many societies were matriarchal in part because you knew who your mother was and you might not be sure who your father was, (laughs) okay? At least here in the United States. I'm sure that it's not a problem in Australia. Oh, no, Uh, no, no. So the bottom line here is that mothers and children are connected in a way that cannot be confused. Mm. But more importantly, women are compassionate and they're holistic. They're not linear thinkers. They're, they're not black and white justice, you know, uh, circumstances be damned. Uh, another book that I've read is, is on mapping the moral compass. And so what I'm seeing now is some kind of convergence of women in charge, local community above federalism and globalism. Um, there's the slow food movement. There's the take your time stuff. I mean, when I think about my, my spiritual moment every day is when the dog takes me for a walk along a stream. <laughs> and that's when I feeling the goodness of the earth. And the other time, oddly enough, is at night. I drink a bottle of water a night. And every time I take a sip of water, I thank God for water. There is no question but that we are living in a dreamland. We have the power to create heaven on earth, and we have abdicated our responsibility for doing that. And I think that's part of the message of of David Ray Griffin and process theology. And the First Lady. When the First Lady says, be best, what she's really saying is be a good citizen and be a good Christian and, and, and be best. The best possible version of yourself, right? And help others to be the best possible version of themselves. Yeah. I'll tell you what I do for humanity is I cut trees and I help the Boy Scouts build bridges and I pick up other people's dog poop. That is my legacy. Yeah. (laughs) Beautiful. It's a humble, it's, it's beautiful, but the, the, the value of, of such humble things, like this is it, right? It's like, you know, Jordan Peterson talks about clean your room, you know, Pick up the garbage. Oh, there's a great, you know, you've seen the movie Apocalypse now. I love the smell of dog shit in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just, you're connected. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Get some on your shoe. Come on. <laughs> it's actually, a, it's a, it's just something I do. I carry three bags, one for, one for my dog and two for other people's dogs. And I have to say, 90% of the people in my area are picking up their own dog poop. Because if you imagine 100 dogs, 365 days a year not being picked up, I mean, it, it piles up pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. And, and so what I, what I see with you is, is you have quite a very, we have a very strong social conscience. You're very socially aware. I do, but I'm very, very intolerant of assholes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, assholes are lacking that social conscience a little bit. <laughs> We have too many assholes on the planet. And, and, you know, this is, I've thought about this a lot. I, in fact, I'm doing a memorandum for President Trump, and I'm going back over, over this, which is free online, as well as for sale at Amazon. And I did a preface to it. I was trying to figure out who was responsible for 9-11. I mean, we know that it was paid for by Les Wexner and some others from the Zionist MAGA group. 
We know that the Zionists planned it from 1988 onwards. We know that Dick Cheney and Benjamin Netanyahu from about 1990 were the two grandfathers or godfathers for 9-11. But at the end of the day, I came to the conclusion that we are responsible for 9-11, that all of our institutions have failed. And I think in terms of eight categories, this is in alphabetical order, academic, civil society, including labor and religion, commerce, especially small business, government, especially local, law enforcement, media, including bloggers, military, and then nonprofit. Every single one of these eight segments has failed in the last 200 years. We've basically allowed ourselves to go down and down and down and down. And we've allowed the 1% to basically control all the wealth, control all the media, control Hollywood, have underground tunnels with, with poor children being held you know, as prisoners and then used for torture and adrenochrome and body parts and sacrificing fetuses on the floor of a satanic ritual group. Let me say one thing. I always want to mention the book that's free online. By the way, two tiny URLs for your viewers. Tinyurl.com forward slash 911-POTUS is the free online book about 9-11 with 28 memos by 26 authors, including Peter Dale Scott uh, and David Ray Griffin and others. And then um, tinyurl.com forward slash pedo empire is now up to 30, 34 chapters free online, also at Amazon. And that's pedophilian empire, Satan, sodomy, and the deep state. That is the single best reference on the dark side of the deep state, which is why President Trump, I believe, is going to use hashtag save the children as the means for hashtag end the deep state. Okay. All right. Beautiful. Do you know much about how he's going to flesh that out and save the children? No one can argue with save the children, right? Well, Sasha and I were talking about that. In fact, the, the short interview I did with Sasha this morning has is, is gone viral. Uh, and that's at my YouTube channel, which is tinyurl.com forward slash YouTube dash on rig. Sasha believes that before you deliver horrendous news, you have to deliver some good news. And so his view is that the president is going to announce a total debt jubilee, which is very biblical. And then after he gets the economy sorted out, then he will announce the results of these military incursions to basically save the children. And I mean, I don't know if it's true or not, but one source has published on Facebook that it is so bad that they're issuing vomit bags to the people going into the tunnels. That's bad. I mean, we can imagine, right? It's, it's pretty horrific. Children are the most vulnerable part of society. And I mean, you know, someone smarter than me said, how you treat your children is how you are as a society. We have been very, very bad. Yeah, yeah. So as far as you're aware, this, this cleanup operation of, you know, the underground networks, this is, this is going on, this is happening, this is moving forward. You know, I, I told Sasha, I've seen no evidence of this. And Sasha said, have more faith, Robert. So, so <laughs> we'll see. I certainly believe that America is better off with President Trump than it would have been with, with a known pedophile traitor and charity and electoral fraud artist Hillary Clinton. Mm -hmm. That woman is probably going to die the way John McCain and George Bush died before going to prison, but she richly deserves to go straight to hell. Yes, couldn't agree with you more on that. And do you feel like you've touched on, we wanted to speak about your vision for reconstructing the USA, I think. Ah, well, let me say thank you for asking that because I'm getting ready to come back into service if President Trump will have me. 
And I've spent 30 years wandering in the wilderness. And so as a way of cleansing my mind, I've published three books. This is one of them. The others are pretty much just as thick. But I've published three books, uh, one on reinventing national security, one on reinventing intelligence, and one on reinventing engineering. And the bottom line is, as best I know, I'm the only guy who has three books on reinventing national security, reinventing intelligence, reinventing engineering. I'm the only guy I know that does holistic analytics, true cost economics, and open source everything engineering. So, you know, if President Trump doesn't want me, I'm going to go to Indonesia and ask them if I can help. Yeah. Uh, I'd much rather do it from the United States and then export it. Yeah, for sure. Okay. And speaking of which, whether Trump will, you know, have you or not, you said you've started a memo for President Trump on Resurrection USA. You want me to talk about it? Sure. Okay. <laughs> I thought you wanted to. <laughs> well, it's an interesting memo in that he's announced that he's putting together a team to rebuild the United States. And the basic premise of the memo, and I'm going to be doing uh, uh, a video in my own channel about the elements of the memo once I finish it. Normally with Trump, you only want to give him one page with 12 points and lots of white space. But this is more complicated than that. It's now up to 18 pages. And what it's doing is it's basically saying you can't just reinvent the economy. You have to reinvent everything else. You have to reinvent how we vote. You have to reinvent justice. You have to reinvent education. You have to reinvent health because it's all a holistic system. You know, Medard Gabel is someone I'm honored to know, and he was Buckminster Fuller's number two for many years. And he runs this, a systems workshop where people come in and they say, okay, we're here to learn how to make a better transportation system, or we're here to learn how to make a better school system. And it's a two-week seminar. By the end of the first week, they've exhausted themselves trying to make a transportation system in isolation. And everybody has an aha experience in the middle where they suddenly realize, oh, my God, we can't do a transportation system without understanding the education system. And we can't fix the education system without understanding how parents need to work and what their requirements are for transportation education. OK, so it's a whole. You cannot reconstruct America just by throwing dollar bills at it. You actually have to do some thinking. Now, Sasha keeps telling me that Trump is much smarter than I am, much richer than I am, much more powerful than I am, and he has more hair. So maybe I'm just a voice in the wilderness, but I would like to think that I know some things the president doesn't know. And that small portion, I would like to find a way to push them into his sphere. Absolutely. I mean, one of my axioms personally is that everybody knows something that you don't know. It may not be that important, but it might be. It might be incredibly important. And, you know, you've spent how many decades? God knows how many decades now you've been in this deep in 43 it. 43 years. 43 years. I'm sure that you learned one, at least one thing that Trump doesn't know and that he would benefit from knowing and could well, pass on. You know, Trump is a genius in so many ways. <laughs> but one of the problems that I have and one of the reasons that the president is, I believe, handicapped, and, and this whole thing with Gates and Fauci and how this fake pandemic went down is, is really illustrative of this. When you do holistic analytics and you do collective intelligence, which is something I've spent 10 years studying under the tutelage of people like Tom Attlee, who wrote The Tao of Democracy, when you are confronted with a problem 
rule one is get the truth on the table, because no matter how ugly it is, until you get the truth on the table, you can't deal with it. Trump failed to get the truth on the table at the beginning because he allowed people to present him lies as if they were the truth. But the second rule in holistic analytics is when you're confronted with something and you're not sure your own people know, go public and ask for help. I've sent the White House a list of 30 contrarian doctors, including Dr. Ron Paul and Dr. Shiva in Massachusetts, the French doctor, uh, Renault. None of these people were consulted. None of these people were called out to. And so what you really have here is an opportunity for the president to create an open source agency that serves as the president's personal intelligence organization. And, you know, I was famous in the 1990s for saying, don't send a spy where a schoolboy can go. And what really pissed off CIA was that I could answer 99% of the questions with schoolboys. That's <laughs> not how you build a $10 billion budget. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're at an interesting point. I feel like I've trained my whole life to be useful right now. And I hope that I get a chance to be useful. And, and if the president won't offer me a job, God help him. If the Australian prime minister wants, wants me there and he can promise not to throw me in jail or arrest me for not social distancing from a pig, then <laughs> I'd be glad to come over. In fact, yeah, I'm well, totally, really pissed off. I don't know if you saw the video, but I said, Mr. Prime Minister, this is a fake pandemic. You're going to make it worse. And to prove my point, I will come to Australia and tongue kiss someone with known COVID-19 <laughs> on national television. <laughs> Evidently, this didn't go over well in, in the halls of the prime minister's office. <laughs> they may not have, I don't know if they've got a sense of humor down there or not. I'm not sure. But how better to prove that I'm willing to risk my life for what I believe in? Laying your life on the line for the greater good. Really? <laughs> Australia. <laughs> that's, that's it. I want to see that on national television. Robert David Steele, tongue kissing a confirmed COVID nineteen patient, and you know, a hell, female, a female, a female. <laughs> he gets to pick one. Maybe no chickens, no chickens, <laughs> no pigs, <laughs> no animals, just humans. Uh, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, I, I feel like that's an amazing download and, you know, I can only applaud your continued efforts and your dedication in this realm because, I mean, I know what it's like to, to be in the, a voice in the wilderness, not in your arena, but, you know, we're all sort of bringing different parts and pieces of, of the puzzle from our own respective angles. And it is frustrating when you know you've got something and you want to get it in there. It is frustrating. I'm tired of being stoned. I mean, stone in the sense of rocks being thrown at me. Um, um, uh, <laughs> I am, I, clarify I, that. <laughs> I'm eligible for clearances, so I don't do drugs. But, <laughs> but I really believe that we have been allowed to go too far. I mean, I'm a fan of David Icke's. I'm a fan of John Rappaport's. They both talk about the matrix and how we've, we've basically all been brought up in this fictional matrix-like environment. And we're now ready. And, and part of the point of Ascension Christianity is that, is that humanity is maybe a fourth dimension out of thousands of dimensions, but let's say 26. Some people like to stop at 26. And to ascend from one dimension to the next, you need to go to the next level of holistic thinking and love over ego. Okay. Ego is basically a stake in your heart. Um, and we have systems that are driven by lies, by ego, by power at the point of a gun, based on blackmail, 
This is not how you get to a good Christian society. So I think in many ways, telling everybody to go sit in the corner for three weeks uh, or however long it's been has actually been useful. And on Mm. my website, just uh, on Easter Sunday, I had a picture of a burning church. And the, the title was Easter Sunday in America, Burning Church. But then I softened it. Because if you really look at most churches, their financial scams, including particularly these prosperity gospel ministers uh, who basically say, give me $100 and God will reward you. So do you really want to be supporting the Vatican with donations to their massive treasury? Or do you want to be Christian with one another and not spend any money at all? So I think that there's a, there's an opportunity here for us to reflect on where do we want to go as as a species, and and I will yield the floor to Sasha on all of the highfalutin language I can't understand. Me, I would just be glad if there was nobody that was homeless, nobody that was poor, nobody that was diseased, and nobody that was unloved. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. And for a guy who's not a kumbaya guy, you've got me wanting to reach for the guitar back there. <laughs> <laughs> but but I like that vision, right? The simplicity of it, you know, it's beautiful. And what would it look like, let's just say, for the sake of argument, for, for the sake of planting the seed, on the other side of this, in maybe, say, 10 years, how, however long it takes to recover, like what does your sort of idealised version of Robert Steele's life look like with things the right way up again? A lot of the cities would have been wound down. And agricultural tracks would have been put around them. A lot of new, smaller cities would be built, all of them self-sufficient with agriculture, high-speed rail everywhere. There would be no illegal immigration. There would be no vaccinations. Everybody would be healthy, not obese, not on drugs. Everybody would be creative. Schools would spend at least 30% of their time in the arts and music and physical fitness because the arts and music actually help you do math and engineering better. Jobs would probably be one third to half of your life. All families would get by on one wage earner. There would actually be a full-time parent for every child. And we would stop wrecking the earth. What we are doing is, is ecocide. Now, climate change is a fraud. The sun is the one that is making the climate change. But geoengineering is a crime against humanity. Fluoride in the water is a crime against humanity. 5G is a crime against humanity. Most of the food that we eat is a crime against humanity. So there's a lot of good that can be done. And I I think I will end my, my comment on this by saying that government regulation is not the answer because most government bureaucrats are too stupid to regulate anything. What you do instead is you create a handheld app with the true economic costs for any product or service. And as Wired Magazine once said, you point your camera at something, it says, if you eat me, I'll kill you. So you pick something else, okay? So educating the public is how we make everything right. And Plato said this uh, originally. He said the single highest responsibility of any government is to create an educated public. We fail to do that. Yeah, exactly. So that's it. Education, that's the foundation of, of moving forward, isn't it? And, and, and holistic education, mm. you know, not rote education. We shouldn't be promoting people based on memorizing bullshit. 
Yeah. We should be promoting people based on learning to think, knowing who knows, learning to have a civil conversation, and uh, learning to discover alternatives. Mm, uh, that's it. And the, if we could train people in that art of um, being non-polarized so that you are open to the next piece of information. They are born that way. There's a wonderful book called Orbiting the Giant Hairball. We beat the creativity and communication skills of children out of them by the fifth grade. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And not so much for, you know, a Steiner school. They're quite quite amazing with what they do. But mainstream, you know, Rockefeller education is a huge, huge problem. I'm glad you mentioned that. Thank you. I would like to leave with maybe if you had a last sentiment, otherwise we can wrap it up. But, you know, I think we've just we've covered things so beautifully. You've articulated everything so well. What, what would you like to leave our listeners with? Well, I'd certainly be pleased if they knew that I existed, that I have websites, robertdavidsteel.com and phibateiota.net and unrig.net, which I may give to Cynthia McKinney. They can donate to me. I, I get by on Social Security, and I spend most of that on groceries for the wife. But they can donate to paypal.me forward slash earthintel. It's an accredited nonprofit with a gold star from, from the Nonprofit Evaluation Association Guide Star. I'm going to continue to do what I do, whether I'm paid or not. But all things being equal, I'd rather help President Trump, Xi Jinping, Vladimir Putin, and the Supreme Leader of Iran earn the Nobel Peace Prize after we fire everybody on the Nobel Committee, because they're all corrupt assholes that have no idea what it really means to be worthy of the Nobel Peace Prize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Robert, thank you so much for your time. I hope that we, we can do this again sometime for sure. That's great. My offer to the prime minister still stands, but it has to be a business class ticket. <laughs> Make notes. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. Take care. Thanks for tuning in. You're a rock star. Make sure you join me for the next episode. And it would be legendary if you could head over to iTunes for me to subscribe, rate, and even leave a review for the show to help me get this information out to the world. I thank you in advance for that. And you can find the show notes for this episode at truthiverse.com. If you're ready to accelerate your personal evolution with me, go to evolveyourself.live for instant access to my free masterclass, How to Evolve Yourself Without Hard Work, Meditation, or Spending Thousands. And remember, the way to change the outer world is to change your inner world first. Thanks again for being part of my Truthiverse. I'll see you next time for the next episode. Rock on. <laughs>